Hello and welcome to our new heritage project. My name is Ketiwe Mbongwa and I'm the founder, lead formulator and creative director of Black Joy Theory, or BJT for short. Our new heritage is a social movement rooted in healing, a care space for remembrance to unfold our complex trauma and an avenue for us to shine the spotlight on politicized healing, healing justice, community care, and collective trauma. My dream is that over the next few weeks, the discussions that take place will be the beginning of the recovery of indigenous forms of healing and the creation of altars for remembrance, dismantling, creating, and connecting. Our new heritage is a love letter to black, brown, queer, trans, LGBTQ+, disabled, neurodivergent, and indigenous people. Thank you for joining me and Welcome joy, welcome wellness, welcome home. I'm good, thank you. Wow. <laughs> I was so confident even. <laughs> See, try again, try again. You know, <laughs> I'm back, I'm back. I'm so happy to have you here um, on our third episode of our new Heritage Project. And um, I've, been looking re- I've been really looking forward to this conversation. And um, before we start, I'm just going to do a little brief intro, introducing you to everyone and the work that you do. So, um, yes. So, um, Teho is a creator at heart, happiest when they're bringing creativity in service of work that supports structurally marginalized communities. Their objectives include consistently generating work that is inclusive and dynamic, engaging people positively and with purpose. A confident communicator, they bring immediate value to the organizations that they work with. And um, facts, 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 facts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. So I just want to get a little bit into, you know, what led you to the work that you do now, and um, you know, just a brief explanation of who you are. Hmm. I mean, I I always introduce myself by saying, you know, I'm Tsukhovato and I do the most because honestly, there's no easy way to describe (laughs) the work that I do. (laughs) And I enjoy that better because I think um, the work that I do is very expansive and it speaks Mm. to the person that I am. It's very fluid and it kind of just goes with whatever I feel very passionate about, whatever I feel my community needs and the ways that I think I'm able to serve the people within my community. But yeah, I mean, to to kind of just wrap it up, I love to help people recognize and achieve their pleasure potential. I think that's a sentence that kind of speaks to the work that I do in almost any realm, whether it is, you know, communications work, whether it's digital campaigns, whether it's, um, you know, community campaigns working with young people, it's just a thing of helping people realize that pleasure is in everything that we do. It can be in every part of our work, every part of our daily life. And it's, I think, a, a path that I'm still learning. This is my own journey. And I think as I'm learning, as I'm continuously expanding what it is that I want to do, I'm just bringing everyone along. Whoever's willing to come with, I'm just like Shap Masande. So, that's the work that I do. It's mostly work that is very rooted in, 
you know, research and writing and speaking. It's pleasure, it's community, it's healing, it's dreaming. It's how do we create sustainable futures for all of us in a world where I think so many of us are just exhausted and depleted and disconnected from ourselves and our bodies. So, yeah, I guess that's, does that answer the question? It does, it does beautifully. (laughs) No, I think it beautifully answers the question and it leads me to my next question. Um, You know, people associate pleasure with sex constantly. And it's not that pleasure isn't sex, but pleasure is so much more than sex. So what does pleasure outside of sex mean to you? What does it look like to you? And how do you introduce it to people? Because you were talking about um, pleasure in their work and I suppose pleasure in their identities too. Pleasure can exist in so many forms. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think my own journey has taken me from a place where I was kind of branded as a sexpert, which isn't necessarily a word that I'm comfortable with anymore. But that was the work that I was doing back then. It was bringing people to understanding that our sexual pleasure can lead us to other forms of pleasure. And I think right now it's more of let's understand what pleasure is holistically. And then we can zero in on what pleasure is sexually, what it is when it has to do with food, what it is when it has to do with community work, when it has to do with body work, when it is trauma informed and understands, you know, the, the multiple systems that we're living in that are trying to keep us from accessing pleasure. And, you know, especially living in a society that is as capitalistic as ours, right? It's that thing of, Pleasure is often tied to what you can access financially. Resources. So, mm, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of what I want to bring people into a conversation with me is understanding that pleasure is so much more. It's literally everything that Audrey Lord spoke about decades ago. Mm-hmm. You know, even before we were around, Audrey Lord was speaking about erotic energy Absolutely. and how erotic energy is so incredibly powerful. And that's how. Um, our society has made it very sexual and demonized yes. it and made it pornographic because they want us not to be able to access it. They want us to not be able to connect to pleasure in ways that are also, again, disconnected from financial access. Because it's that thing of if I am a lot more aware of the erotic energy in my life, if I'm a lot more aware of and intentional about pleasure in my life, There's no reason that every day I can't wake up and that can be a pleasurable day. (laughs) Actually, I just like I don't even have to ask you questions. I just need to give you prompts and then you just go. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You've just answered so many of my I mean, a lot of the questions that are coming up in my head too. So thank you for that. Wow, what an intro. (sighs) Okay. So, um, what is <laughs> what is healing justice to you, and how does that play into your pleasure work? Hmm, that's a beautiful question. I think healing justice to me is, you know, that understanding of all the ways that we have been traumatized in our lives, all the systems that kind of weigh on us and make our daily lives incredibly difficult and heavy. It's the awareness of that while also saying, but you still deserve healing. 
you still deserve pleasure. You still deserve peace. You deserve rest. You deserve joy. To me, that is healing justice. It's something that's incredibly sustainable because I'll always um, say that in Adrienne Marie Brown's book, Pleasure Activism, she speaks about a mentor of hers who always used to tell her that what is easy is accessible. And that's exactly it. What is easy is sustainable. It's accessible. It's repeatable as well. So that's what healing justice is to me. It's, it's being able to prioritize our healing at an everyday level in a way that allows us to connect to, I think, you know, collect, collective liberation, collective justice, all these things that we're fighting for as various forms of activists, whether we're, you know, working with young people, working within um, the queer communities, whether we're in disability justice. It's that thing that says, however it is that you're showing up, let us be aware of the ways that the world tries to strip you of your healing. And let's prioritize that. That to me is healing justice. Well, yes, definitely. Mm. Well, um, and I love the wows, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I am at a loss. I mean, really, I, I have so many other questions, but I really do want to get through the questions that I laid out because they're great questions. If I say so myself, I mean, they damn sure are. Um, how do you imagine collective well-being in safety? Hmm. Ooh, that's a tricky one to answer. So there's something that I actually read, and ooh, I feel terrible because now I've forgotten this person's name. But there's something that I read a couple days ago where this person was speaking about, we talk a lot about how community is our solution. But because of the ways we've been traumatized, that capitalism keeps us from accessing our healing, our pleasure. We're tired, we're isolated, Mm. we're drained. We barely have energy for ourselves, let alone having energy for other people. Mm. So as much as we always say that, you know, this is about the collective, this is about community, being Mm. able to work towards collective liberation means understanding the reasons why we're not able to access community in the ways that we want to. It's being able to put structures and spaces and support systems for ourselves to be comfortable with showing up and saying, yes, I want to be supported by my community, but right now I am actually incredibly just drained. Mm -hmm. I do not have the energy. I do not have the resources, but that's that's what community work is, right? It's also in the understanding and being able to identify that Just by me existing, I deserve that support. Just by me being the person that I am, I should be able to be valued within a community system. But it's so difficult. I honestly don't know how we're going to continuously be able to sustain ourselves in coming years without kind of being able to ground ourselves in the knowledge of, you know, our communities are struggling. <laughs> they we are. are, yeah. And I think it, it becomes so much more difficult to do any form of community work when we feel like, oh no, love is the answer. Joy is the answer. Pleasure is the answer. Yes, definitely, mm. definitely. Mm. But we need to be aware of the traumas as well. We need to be able to make space and work through the things that keep us from accessing community in the ways that we want to. 
Because I think for me, that's a thing that's been incredibly difficult for me where I'm looking around me and I've, I think, lost a lot of community that I felt was the heart of the work that I want to do. And having kind of that community fall away in various ways, you know, I mean, no community is perfect. You'll always get people who you just don't get along with. You'll get people who take you for a boost. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that thing of, of understanding that community has to evolve. It has to grow with us. It has to you know, be aware of we literally cannot beat capitalism with love, guys. We cannot no. beat, you know, the fact that I am struggling. I cannot access therapy. I can barely access food that nourishes me in a way that I want to. I can't access any form of physical community because we're all, you know, separated from each other. It's, I think a lot, a lot of what I'm thinking is that we just need to fuck shit up a little bit and say, Chub, the ways that we've always thought about community, it's not working. What does it look like now to try, build and create and sustain community and movements within our community when so many of us are tired? So how do we begin to support each other in those ways and hold space for the things that we're struggling with while also saying, yeah, but this is the sort of future that I want. Absolutely. And I think, mm. thank you for that. Thank you so much. I think that's why this framework that I'm using that I borrowed from the um, Chicago Justice um, Collective, it's so important because it addresses healing before it addresses dismantling, before mm. it addresses creates creation. And it's exactly what you said. We cannot show up for one another the way that we want to because of the structures that exist. So we have to heal and then we can start to dismantle. And even while we're dismantling, we have to take care of one another um, mm. as best as we can. But it's it's so difficult showing up in this world and continuing to do the work when you are fighting burnout, literally, yeah. at, every, at every turn. It is so hard to say that, I want to show up for my community. I want to be active. Um, I want to be a resource for others. When you don't feel held in the world, because mm. I even think that it goes beyond, and I agree, we have to build up our, uh, we have to build our resilience as a community and we have to be well enough to take care of each other, but we have to live in a world that work, that isn't trying to actively kill us either. There is Yay. only so much holding and love and lights that we can give to one uh. another before we decide <laughs> that we are tired of living in a world that does not respect us, that wants to kill us, and that is constantly harming us. Mm. No, and honestly, that's exactly it. Yeah. That, that, and also living in a world that is on a planet that's dying because of the system. Mm. So I, I totally agree with you. We have to fuck shit up at some stage. and Let's um, fuck shit up. Burn it all down. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next I've question... I've got my blowtorch ready. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next question ties really well into that. Um, who or what does it serve when we are unwell? 
Ooh. Hey. Yeah. I mean, we know that it serves capitalism, right? <laughs> it serves the exact way that capitalism has been built to work. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the time, and I, I will always, always bring capitalism into every conversation about pleasure and healing and just being trauma informed because oh, yeah. that is where the majority of our trauma lies. Mm. It's that thing of feeling that, you know, we also don't deserve certain things. We don't deserve to heal. We yes. don't deserve to feel good. We have to earn feeling good. We have to you know, overwork ourselves to deserve any form of break. That's that's what being unwell serves, honestly. It serves capitalism in the most spectacular way because then capitalism will just sell you another product to fix that, right? <laughs> yes. Without dealing with... And I think there's... Um, I forget whose quote it is saying something along the lines of how do we think that just simply cutting the branch off a sick tree will fix the issue when the issue lies in the roots yes so yes. it's that thing of how do we how do we begin to create and sustain ourselves outside of capitalism it's it's not fucking easy i mean the only way honestly that you can create any form of sustaining yourself outside of capitalism ironically enough is being rich enough to do that, right? <laughs> because Literally. that's the only way. Yeah, that's the only way. The only yes. way that you're able to create the sort of life that you want outside of capitalism means you need a certain amount of money to be like, shop, I'm going to go live somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to live off the grid. I'm going to grow my own food. I'm going to live in community. That shit costs money. It really does. That shit costs money. That's why so many of us end up in cities that are literally trying to kill us because we're just trying to stay alive. We're trying to mm. sustain ourselves in ways that are incredibly unhealthy. But I think, like, we literally just can't even blame ourselves. I think a lot no. of, for, for, I know for me, it just started with that awareness. It started with the awareness of being like, oh, shit. No, I see all the ways capitalism has got me fucked up. Mm. And how can I then be intentional in the ways that I interact with people, in the ways that I do my work? How can I create a way of just being intentional with people that exist outside of capitalist principles? Which is, mm. it's hard. And it takes a lot of awareness. It takes a lot of dealing with your own deep-rooted issues. For example, me just having to deal with right now my financial trauma. Mm. And the fact that as a Black person... I have a huge like discomfort with money in general because money feels like the bane of like the root of all evil, right? So it's also then getting myself to a point where I can understand that the way capitalism has taught us about money is that money has its own energy and money has its own value. And mm. we can actually reshape the ways that we interact with money, that we think about money. And I'm working on that because, unfortunately, again, the only way that I can live the sort of life that I want is to get to a point where I have the financial access. And I can't get to that financial access if I'm literally just like, money makes me uncomfortable. Also, that financial literacy to manage that money. A lot of us ah! get money. Listen. And... Listen. 
Well, that, that, that money trauma, that financial trauma comes into play when a lot of us get that money and we blow it. Yeah. And not even yeah. consciously, we don't know how to manage money and we are taught not to manage money. We are taught to fear money and not, uh, interact with money and learn how money mm. works. So mm. we become afraid of it. Mm. And I, yeah, I think that the key, ironically, to our, um, liberation is also in, access to ways to learn how to manage money financial literacy is incredibly important big Um, time important it's some of the most important work that we can actually do because how do we also make sure that future generations don't have such unhealthy relationships with money that they don't understand that this can be a tool to design the exact worlds that we want to live in a good world Mm. Exactly. A really, really good world. Money has never been the problem. It's really the way that it's used. Uh-huh. I think. I really, <laughs> I think it's really the way that it's used. Um, and another point that came up when you were talking, when you were talking about why it was so difficult for us to connect in both community, um, I think it's and it, and it goes back into capitalism again. This inability to know self, yeah. this inability to experience self. This inability, this inability to be well stops us from creating community because we do not know ourselves. We've forgotten ourselves and we've definitely forgotten where we've come from in an indigenous sense, like yeah. our histories. Yeah. And we, I feel like more and more from the conversations that I've definitely had over the past two weeks, it's a lot of, we don't know ourselves and we're yearning to know this history, but we don't even know where to begin. And unless we figure that out, I think a lot of these projects that we've set um, up and a lot of these journeys that we're now on, I think they're going to be almost impossible to to complete without mm. us first going back to go forward. Mm. And that's exactly it, right? You can't understand the future unless you understand the history, to me anyway. And I think even in the past like year, the one thing that's just struck with me is that in the ways that a lot of us are trying to think of sustainable futures, we actually do need to return a a lot of the ways, the things that we've been doing, the things, Mm -hmm. the ways that we live in community. I mean, not with all the shit that came along with it back then, but with saying that we are being intentional about it. We did not accidentally end up living in community. We did not accidentally end up wanting to serve each other in these ways. Mm. Mm. That is our new heritage for me. That's what I Mm. envision, definitely. Um, So do you have a relationship with your body? I mean, I hope so. Damn. <laughs> um, my relationship with my body is very complex right now. Mm. It sits with a lot of, I think, um, kind of disrupting the way I also think about gender. Because mm. obviously being a person who, I guess, was raised very femme, um, and it's very tricky for me to even try speak about gender right now because I'm like, I'm still working through the messiness, but I think there's value in being open and I guess vulnerable about the messiness, which mm-hmm. is that my relationship with my body is 
in the toilet right now. Like, it's terrible. It is, I don't think I treat my body as well as I want to. I don't think I honor it in ways that I want to. I think there's a lot of trauma that sits in my body that I'm still trying to work through. And mm. it's just about, I think, being being open to that journey. I know for a fact that yo, oftentimes the wounds that we're trying to heal aren't the painful part. The healing is the painful part, right? Ugh. So <laughs> it's the thing of I'm trying to deal with um, thoughts of fat shaming that I grew up with, with ableism that I grew up with, with gender feelings that I grew up with, with attaching specific um, value to the way my body looks, the way my body mm. interacts with the world, the way other people react to the way my body shows up in the world. Mm. So I do have a relationship with my body. It is, as we would say, you know, on uh, my Facebook relationship status is complicated right now. <laughs> it's complex okay <laughs> oh yeah definitely i was thinking the other way i think i was crying through it yesterday thinking the same thing like i haven't even been able to have that discussion around my gender identity because mm. i look in the mirror sometimes and i don't even recognize myself i like I, I i feel like you need to feel yourself and reach a certain point with your body to be able to even start to have those difficult discussions mm. Mm. and Again, yes, I think the fear of not wanting to even delve into that is deeply rooted in trauma. Oh yeah, and yeah. Because thank you. It's thank like you no, for I'm I'm that. I'm not gonna see it. It doesn't exist mm. if I don't if I don't look. <laughs> yeah, another part of me is also like you don't have the time to do that. You have Yay. to get to a certain Let's point just to be comfortable. <laughs> exactly. When you have money, then you can then you can deal with the hard stuff. Oh, That's when you'll be allowed to. And we put so much pressure on ourselves. And yo. such unrealistic expectations. Such unrealistic. I'm like, when so, you have money is also the most hilarious statement. Because I'm just like, but what is what is the amount? What is that? What is the amount <laughs> that will make you happy? Yeah. What is it? What is the success? Mm. Will there ever be? And mm. what if you get there and you have the money and you do the work and you realize, I'm still not happy? This still feels shit. Yeah. This still feels then terrible. One mm. then. Exactly. Um, how has your perception of productivity changed or distorted your relationship with your body? Hmm. I have a very, again, just like my relationship with my body, I have a very complex relationship with productivity because as someone who was raised by two Virgos, <laughs> I would not ah. wish that on anyone. As someone who and was I know, raised I'm by sorry, two... I know you've mm. said that you... You're um, a recovering perfectionist. I've always found yeah. that so interesting. I literally am a recovering perfectionist because it's that thing of whether or not my parents did it on purpose. But I also, I think part of the healing process is understanding that they were also responding to trauma, right? They were also responding mm -hmm. to, this is the life that I want for you so that you can avoid the things that happened to me. And there's... There's, I think, a lot of power in just realizing and sitting with that. Because as much as I know that, yeah, my parents are grown as adults. They should have known better. But in a lot of ways, they literally did the best that they could. And in a lot of ways, I'm the person, obviously, that I am because of the things that they did. Um, but I call myself a recovering perfectionist because I 
um, a person who struggles with anxiety and depression, but it's also very high functioning. So a lot of the times, a lot of people probably won't even think that, ah, this babe is always talking about being depressed, but the amount of work that comes out. And I'm like, yeah, because unfortunately <laughs> for me, that's also something that I'm having to work with. It's healing that thing of putting my value in my productivity, in putting my worth in the sorts of work that I'm putting out. And mm. it's, it's, it's a relationship to productivity that I'm having to constantly work through because it's mm. that thing of, am I doing this because I want to do it? Am I doing it because I feel other people expect it of me? Am I doing it because I'm looking forward to the compliments I'm going to get afterwards? Because that also feels stop. good, right? Simple, yeah. Stop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So I I know for me, it becomes very difficult because that's how I end up saying, yeah, hi, my name is Tsarufatso and I do the most because Tsarufatso does not know how to rest because I feel very special and I know that I feel very special when other people value the things that I put out into the world. <laughs> oh my goodness. Were you considered a gifted child too? Ah, you know, Mus. I can we read Matilda. <laughs> we read Matilda and we were like, yeah, Linda, it's me. I am Matilda. Yeah. Oh my god. So it's that thing of like I grew up as the kid who used to get prizes in school because I read so much. I grew up as yeah. the kid who I never got like straight A's, but I was always a kid that everybody knew because I knew what the fuck I was talking about, whether it was just, mm. oh, Tsukho has a new dirty joke, go listen to her jokes. Or, <laughs> or if it's like the things that even in high school, I was that kid who was like, yeah, guys, let's let's design the yearbook. I was the person who designed our metric jackets. So I know my relationship to productivity has never been healthy and I am working mm. through it. It's that thing of how do I then reconnect to my work and do work that sustains me and nourishes me because it feels good to me and not just because I know for a fact that woof, can't wait for all the likes, can't wait for all the comments, can't wait for all the people who are just like, oh my God, oh, this is amazing. And I know that. I know that. Yeah. That is a big vanity thing for me. And mm. it's a big thing that I'm still trying to work through. But yeah. My productivity, my relationship to my body, it gets very messy because I'm also getting to a point where I'm making things very easy for myself to also Absolutely. heal this relationship, right? So it's the thing of I'm going to intentionally have very slow mornings because I don't want to just wake up and run. I'm going to very yeah. intentionally say, I want to take a nap. I'm going to intentionally mm. close my laptop at a specific time because I know that if I don't, I can keep going until midnight. So it's the awareness of knowing that as much as sometimes this work feels really, really good, yo, uh -uh, sometimes, listen, I'm valuable because of the person I am, not of what I put out. Oh, yes. Clicks, 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 clicks. <laughs> um... Okay, so the next couple of questions are just going to be delving into your pleasure work. Mm. Um, what role has pleasure played in your healing journey? Yo, everything. Everything. I mean, I always speak about astrology because I believe very much in 
self-work often lies in the ways that we just learn about ourselves. So I know for a fact that Mina, I've always been a person who's very comfortable in the heavy things. I'm the person who's like joking about death, joking about suicide, because, (laughs) you know, it's also the thing of trying to make things ha-ha so that I don't take them as seriously in my own head, right? But um, the the reason I've prioritized, I think, so much more pleasure in my life is because I know that that's where a lot of my healing lies. It's mm-hmm. it's in the vulnerability of joy. You know what I mean? I think a lot of the time when we speak about vulnerability, we speak about it in the shit things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And it's very... I think, because also I, I have big, big Scorpio energy, I think it's a lot easier for me to admit when things are hard than it is for me to celebrate when things are good. So for me to prioritize pleasure, it's me saying, I'm saying this out loud so that you see as well that we are all fucking deserving of this pleasure. And that is the part of the healing that says that we have been through some shit, but we are still here and we still deserve to feel good every single day. To me, that's my journey of healing. Just getting myself to a point where I am happy and content with being happy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. 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 (laughs) What role does pleasure have in a laboratory setting? And I think that question and how do you, how do we begin as people? What are the steps, the small steps that we can take to start incorporating pleasure into our healing? I think Mm. those two go very well together. Say the first part of your question again, because I got so excited that I forgot now. (laughs) (laughs) Relatable. Um, what role does pleasure have in a laboratory setting? Mm, Okay. So I think a lot of the time, um, as somebody who's also a recovering, like NGO activist, right? A lot of the time (laughs) in liberation work, we feel like everything has to be hard. Everything has to be difficult. If you're not burnt out, you're not doing it right. If you're not exhausted, you're not doing it right. If you don't feel shit constantly, something is wrong. So my thing, and this is also very loosely based on the way Adrienne Marie Brown speaks about pleasure activism. My Mm -hmm. thing is we're fighting for liberation, but how, how do we then know that we're liberated if it doesn't feel good? What is the point of liberation if it does? Yeah. Cause I'm like, to me, very literally, when we're cons, yes, the hard work is so important, but I feel like pleasure work and intentionally prioritizing pleasure is also incredibly difficult. Because I mean, I don't have to tell you when things are shit, it's kind of just like, Oh, I mean, this is life. Says Draele. We're used to doing the difficult stuff. We're used to doing the hard stuff. But when it comes to just saying we deserve to feel good in every aspect of our lives, how do we begin to feel, figure that out? And 
there's a quote, I think, again, it's Adrienne Marie Brown, who says, feeling good is not frivolous, it's freedom. Because it's yes. about that happiness. It's about the contentment. It's about satisfaction. It's mm. about, you know, why can my journey to liberation also not feel good? Like, mm. um, I think there's a Tony Kade Bambara quote that says something like, the point of the artist is to make revolution irresistible. Right. <laughs> so, oh, the ice cream man is outside. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I, when, when, when we put pleasure at a similar level as liberation, it can also make that liberation work feel so much more sustainable. Because literally, you can speak to every single fucking activist. I don't care who you speak to unless they're white. Everyone's they burnt have a out. Different, everyone is burnt out. Every single everyone one. Everyone is at a point where it's like, listen, I'm exhausted. My work is exhausting. My life is exhausting. Mm. How do I... Cont you know, how do we even create the next set of revolutionaries how would they even want to do any of this work if it doesn't feel good to them exactly exactly yeah why can't we definitely i think that i was listening to one of prentice hempel's um podcasts mm. and i forgot the author's name but they had the person who wrote the body's not an apology they Ooh, had them on a brilliant book Ah, uh, uh, so kiss. good. And I think that they um they were talking to someone who had problem problematized the statement that joy is um a form of resistance. And they said that the reason why that was a problem was because that we cannot center joy and resistance in the same conversation. Like joy is the opposite of that. It is the thing that enables us to keep going. It's a thing that mm. we've always had. It's a thing that our ancestors have always had. Mm. Specifically, black joy is a thing that's kept us alive. And no matter the dire situation, black people, marginalized people, queer people have always found a way to practice joy, to survive. Yeah. yeah. Have always done that. So. Because that's exactly it, right? Joy is the mm. revolution in a yeah. system that has literally been built to, to teach and ingrain into our bones that you do not mm. deserve anything good you do not yes. deserve anything pleasurable without this amount of money it's about yes. going back to try figure out again what is easy yes. is sustainable so how can i build pleasure practices within my life that even if i have no money how do i access that pleasure how do i access that joy? exactly is it exactly. in taking a walk by myself? Is it in mm. masturbating? Is it in mm. just sitting shirtless or naked in my house, spending time by water? Is it in caring mm. for myself in that I just want to take a fucking nap? Is it in working mm. with my hands? So it's about yes. finding those simple things that are going to reconnect you to pleasure that even when the world is burning, you are still able to access that joy and pleasure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the last question I have is how do we bypass shame um, in the pursuit of pleasure? 
shame, né? Shame. Shame is such a heavy thing to try figure out because I think a lot of us are so completely terrified of even mm. kind of digging up what comes up with that shame. Where wow. where is the shame rooting from? Is it a shame that says, you know, oh, I remember I had this conversation with my aunt um last year where she had been struggling with her income for the majority of the year. She didn't have mm. work and her mom had passed away earlier on in the year. So we were having a conversation about pleasure and she was like, you know, the one thing that really gets to her is the fact that when she was struggling, very few people were able to have all these big opinions and figure out how to support her. Right. But when she then decided that, you know what, I'm going to just throw a huge ass party for my son who's turning one. And everyone was like, no, but why are you wasting your money on this when you could be? So it's that thing. Mm -hmm. It's that shame, right? That is how mm -hmm. shame functions. It is to say that you don't deserve this. There are you better things to do. Yeah. There are better things to do with your money, with your time, with your energy. There are things that, again, keep you small. And who are you to think that you deserve pleasure when your life is in shambles? And it's like, uh, yes, fuck that. Like, your life, you yeah, if I have literally no money, but I decide to use my last 20 rand on a bag of weed, I will do it because I know mm -hmm. that is something that's going to tap into the way I want to experience pleasure. And I still fucking deserve that pleasure has, and it should have nothing to do with how we're able to access things financially. But mm. unfortunately it does. And those are the ways, and those are all the different sorts of things. I think when we start becoming a lot more aware of like the shame voice inside our heads, right? So the mm. shame voice is that one that's just like, oh, why are you taking a nap? You still have so much work to do. Why are you just chilling? The house is dirty. Why are you doing yes. this when you could be giving money to these people in your family? Like, fuck that oh. shame voice. But it's the awareness, yeah. right? That's where it starts. Mm. It's just being mm. aware of the shame voice and saying, you have nothing to serve me right now. So I just, I'm mm. not interested in listening. And Absolutely. these are the ways that I can serve myself rather. Mm. Mm. The shame is deeply rooted in capitalism. Yeah. Deeply, deeply yeah. rooted. It's the way that it functions. It's actually the fuel. Um, and, um, also I had this conversation with Dumi in that, in the last episode. Mm. It is also, I think pleasure is incredibly important. Releasing shame is incredibly important, but having a safe space is where I think all of that starts with every practice safety, mm. which is sadly such a luxury. That is where, that is a place where we can start to unfold ourselves. Mm. If you're not safe, I cannot imagine being unsafe and sitting down and thinking, hmm, how am I going to heal today? Yeah. That's, it's just impossible. Yeah. We have to make a safer world. We have to create spaces that are safer. Mm. And it's also, I think, in <sighs> understanding that a lot of these things are trauma responses, right? Yes. So that thing of feeling shameful because you're accessing something you enjoy is a trauma response. It's that it thing is. of how trauma is manifesting in my body because 
there was a traumatic event sometime in my life that told me that I don't deserve to access pleasure in this way. So you're going to constantly embody that that trauma. You're going to constantly embody the fact that I don't deserve to take care of myself because this, mm. this, this, this is lacking. So as mm. much as it might feel selfish, and again, that is the shame voice, right? That tells us, no, but this is selfish. But it's like, mm. hello, hi, this is your one life. You have one body. Your well-being should be a fucking priority. And your well-being mm. has to do with the ways that you're able to interact with pleasure and joy and happiness and contentment in ways that don't shame you. But it also mm. has to do with the ways that we value ourselves, right? So simply because I exist, I am valuable. And that existence deserves pleasure. Like, oh. can we create a space that allows us to inquire how shame serves us? Can we find the balance? Can we build compassion for ourselves and choose what to focus on as well? Because I'm not going to, you know, hop on about, oh, no, um, mindfulness and the secret. But mindset work is incredibly important. <laughs> like, it's incredibly important. I'm never going to say, no, just do an affirmation and everything will work out. But it's just that yeah. thing of constantly practicing and pairing those those things that feel shameful with something that just makes you feel good. You are allowed. And pleasure is literally just disrupting all these systems. It's disrupting capitalism. Mm. It's disrupting mm. oppression. It's, you know, our pleasure work and our presence within that pleasure work, that is the gift to me anyway. And with that, thank you. <laughs> so much i am wow thank you so much for sharing thank you so much for all of that golden knowledge and thank you so much for helping me open the space and create this platform i hope that these messages and um i hope that everything we've spoken about can help you know whoever's listening thank you so so much Teho. thank um, you and thank you to all of the listeners, I hope that this was as life-changing <laughs> as it was for me. And, um, yeah. Thank you, love.